I am delighted and excited that you're here with us this morning or you're with us online. This is the day the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it as we conclude our series today on the power of vision to see. Today, of course, there's an NFC championship, an AFC championship, and maybe your team is in it, maybe it's not, maybe you don't even care. But I'll tell you, these teams all came together because of one word. They came together because of vision. They had a vision. The Bengals were like the laughing stock a couple of years ago, and they're one game away from being in the Super Bowl simply because they drafted a quarterback who has helped change the trajectory of that team and the way they looked at themselves. They hired a new coach who was only 38 years old. But that team, every team in the NFL has one goal in mind, is they want to they hoist that Lombardi trophy because of that one word vision. And today, we're going to be looking at that. And I want to minister to you from God's word on vision for not only this year for our church, but vision for your life. Vision for your career, vision, vision for your family, your marriage, or relationships, or whatever it is that you're going through or you're dealing with, because I believe God wants to use a God-given vision for your life more than ever before, especially in the days that we're living in. Now, when it comes to vision, no, most of you in this room, maybe, have you ever heard of a, a TV show called The Chosen? Has anyone ever heard of The Chosen? I want to encourage you, if, if you like to binge sometimes on a TV show here and there, you need to binge on this one. The Chosen is phenomenal. It is a great, great thing. And if you've never seen it, you can see it on YouTube or if you have Amazon Prime, the first season is on there. The second one you may have to buy, I'm not sure. But um, it is a powerful, just, I can't even describe it, but The Chosen is a, is a new streaming television series and it is making history as the very first multi-season TV series made about Jesus. You know, there's been movies made about Jesus, but not like a, a TV series. And many movies and ministries have been created about him over the years, but no multiple season show has been attempted before the chosen season one. And this show is rapidly becoming a worldwide phenomenon. It's, it's, it's the top crowdfunded entertainment project in history. Listen to this. They had no money to do this, but, but someone had a vision. And 15,000 people came together and gave over $11 million to start this project. And it's been downloaded and streamed in every country, including Antarctica, and it's been translated into more than 50 languages. And VidAngel, the, the show's distributor, has a goal of reaching a billion views to make The Chosen one of the most watched global series in history. Veteran filmmaker Dallas Jenkins, maybe some of you know that name Jenkins, but he's the son of renowned writer Jerry Jenkins, who with Tim LaHaye did all those like end of, you know, the rapture and the end of the world and stuff like that. He's the director of this series, Dallas Jenkins, and he said his original vision in making The Chosen was simply to create a short film about the birth of Jesus, about the birth of Christ in a fresh way. And as, and as I started with friends and minister leaders, he said, and entertainment professionals, I kept getting the same response. They kept saying to him as they watched that 23-minute pilot, they said, we want more. You got to do more of this. And as a result, our vision was to make an entire TV show about the life of Christ through the eyes of those who encountered him. And I, I was watching the, when he was playing with the children, and, and I know I'm, I'm kind of stealing a little bit of a thunder, but you need to watch this. I mean, we binge on a lot of garbage. Let's just keep it real. This is impactful. I mean, I'm crying, and I'm like, you know, where's the onions, you know, allergies? I mean, it's just powerful, but just the way Jesus was just like us, but he was such a gentleman. He was such a jokester. He was, I mean, it's just powerful. And just watching how he interacted with these, these kids, it was incredible. And the number one goal of the show, the reason that it exists is to make Jesus known, Jenkins said. Andrew, played by Noah James, said, I think this series is going to be an incredible way to draw people and introduce people to Jesus, to the Bible, to the disciples, that is historically faithful and, and that is in the spirit of the scriptures. And then the show is also so powerful that it's, it's literally transforming the actors. 
The gentleman who plays Matthew, Paris Patel, says this, and I quote, he said, the fact that this show is resonating with so many people around the world has made a profound impact on me. Such an intricate story like this with a layer of such real human and raw emotion is captivating. Jenkins said, we need finances, we need prayer. He goes on and says, we just hope that people will watch the pilot episode and spread it and share it to continue the impact. And since its first premiere, The Chosen has more than 300 million viewers worldwide. How did it start? It started with a vision. It started with God birthing something within someone to say, you know what, we we can do a TV show about Jesus and how the people that met him and how he changed their life and so forth. And Stephen Covey said, vision is the ability to see beyond our present reality. I think some of us, we need to do that in this room. We need to look beyond our present reality to create, to invent what does not yet exist and to become what we are not. It gives us the capacity to live out our imagination instead of living in our memories. And a lot of us, we live in our memories right now. Oh, if it just wasn't 2020 or 2021 or 2022 or if we could just go back before COVID and all this other stuff. You know, all those things. But here's the thing I want you to understand, friends. We must understand that vision is the ability to courageously explore possibilities. That's really what vision is. It's the ability to courageously explore possibilities. Think about that where you work. Think about that where you live. Think about the things that you're dealing with in your life. And imagine something beyond the present boundaries of what you're dealing with. That is what a vision is. And it understands who we are and, and what we're designed to do. And a vision answers two simple questions. It understands, it answers these two simple questions. Where are we going and why are we doing what we do? Where are we going and why do we do what we do? If you were to ask anyone on the cast of The Chosen, why, why, are, why, are, why are we here and why are we doing what we're doing? They would know exactly in a heartbeat. They wouldn't even have to waver in that question. Even Jesus, if you think about it, he had a vision for humanity. When Jesus was on this earth, what did he he see? He came to seek and to save that which is lost. That was his vision. And he recruited a group of of men, 12 altogether, who would would literally help him fulfill why he came along with these gentlemen who were called his disciples. And he taught them and his followers things that would help them to continue the vision even after he left this earth along with those who followed Jesus. I think that's so incredible. Now, how many, now many of us are familiar with this passage of scripture that's going to be up on the screen, but it's, it's Proverbs 29, 18. And it says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. Now, most of us in this room, when we read that verse, that portion of scripture, we literally think about the vision of a church. We think about the vision of our life, but in reality, it's talking about the revelation or the vision of who God is and his law that literally has been given to those people at that time. And and when the people do not accept, when people do not seek after the revelation or the vision of who God is through his word, then here's what happens. They become unrestrained, meaning rather than regarding the word of God as their ultimate source, they become their own God. They become their own master, their own savior, and they decide to call the shots instead of trusting in 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 the word of God. And, and that's what happens. A lot of times people think, if I, if, if I do my own thing, then I'm my own master. But really, you're not your own master. You're your own slave. 
And you're a slave to the enemy. You're a slave to sin and, and to the things of this world and so forth. And, and, and what happens in those moments when we decide to call our own shots instead of trusting in God's word, instead of looking at God's GPS, God's plan of salvation for our life, and we make decisions on our own, here's what happens. We get lost in our sin. We get lost in our sin, and ultimately it leads to death and it leads to eternal judgment. Why do I believe that? Because Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes, people might even read the Word of God. People might even listen to the Word of God today um, through their phones or their apps or whatever it may be. And there's not, it's, it's not that that's wrong, but the main issue from just reading or listening to something like that is when we fail to study it. When we fail to apply what it says or what we read or whatever it may be or, or, or we begin to memorize that scripture or we begin to, to trust in what the Lord is saying. And sometimes people will only focus on the promises of God's word. They'll look at the benefits that come out of that, but they won't want to do the things that they need to do uh, in their own lives when it comes to obedience. And what happens is they claim certain scriptures or they grab certain parts of the scripture for their own benefit instead of seeking the truth of what that word is all about. And it says in Proverbs 29 18, it says, Blessed or happy is the person who keeps the law. And those who obey the written word of God are blessed. How will they obey unless they hear? How will they obey unless they read? How will they obey unless they come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Think about it. You have children or, you, or, or whatever it may be, or you have uh, nephews or nieces, and you reward them if they do something well. You, you reward them in whatever it may be. And if they do something wrong, you, you have to correct them. You have to discipline them. They have to get a time out. Or they, there's consequences that come along the way. But when we're having a loving relationship with God, when we literally have a loving relationship with God and we seek to bring glory to his name, then we will, re, we will reap the reward of his blessings. And that's why when you read that verse of Scripture, it says, when there is no vision, when there is no revelation of who God is, the people are unrestrained. They're wandering around aimlessly doing what they feel is best for themselves. But happy is the person who keeps the law, who keeps the word of God hidden in their heart that they may not sin against him. And those that who do not obey God's word are called lawless. And they're cast off ultimately leading to destruction. But blessed are those who are reverent, who hold the word of God in reverence, who uphold it, who stand by it and learn from God's word. That is why whenever I am behind this pulpit or whoever stands behind this pulpit and declares the word of God, let me tell you this right now, we will never water down the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's not the kind of church this is. And this is not the kind of church it's been for 100 years. It's none of those things. We're not here to make people happy. We're trying to build the kingdom of God. We're trying to build the kingdom of God. We're not trying to build a huge group of followers on social media because we're more interested in souls than we are in likes. I'm more interested in disciples than in shares. Those things might be okay, but they are not eternal like disciples of Jesus Christ and those that are followers of his glory and his kingdom. And I've learned that God's truth will always set a captive free. It always set a captive free. That's why this church has such a high reverence for God's word. Because without the word of God, people are loose. They're walking around aimlessly, running around with no clear direction in their lives. But just like God's word gives us direction for our lives, a vision, if you want to write this down, a vision for the church gives us direction as to why we even come to church. Have you ever thought, why do you come to church? Well, my parents raised me to go to church or... You know, I, I think it's the right thing to do as a follower of Jesus Christ or whatever it may be. And, and those are great reasons. But the reason a vision is important to us, 
should be important to you or for the organization you work with or the church that you go to is because sometimes people forget why they are here, why they come. When people lose their track or their purpose of their lives, whether it's for their family, for their marriage, whether it's for their children or their career or their walk with the Lord or even as a church, here's what will happen. You and I will lose focus. Everyone say focus. We'll lose focus on why we do what we do. We'll lose it. Because we're surrounded by all these distractions and all these things in our hearts and our lives that surround us. And, and when we're motivated by a, by a specific vision and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit and committed to the cause of Christ, friends, let me tell you something. Amazing things can happen. Just ask the cast and crew and the executive producers of The Chosen. 300 million viewers. And their, their vision is for a billion. That's unbelievable. With no money. With nothing. It starts with a vision. You see, another benefit of a God-given vision is that it brings us together under a, a common theme. It brings us together under a common theme. And that theme helps us to focus on specific goals. It helps us to weather through challenges. It helps us to push against the trends of fear or discouragement or hopelessness. And simply put, vision is seeing what has not happened yet. Your children... You may have a vision for your children living for God, loving the Lord with all their heart, soul, and mind, and strength, with all their body, with all their, their soul and their mind. But maybe it's not happening yet. But hold on. Trust God. Because he's the same God for those that we read about on the screen. Amen? A vision is always birthed in our hearts. A vision is always developed in our minds by God and his word. But a vision always develops through one thing. Do you know what that one thing is? Just look at yourself in the mirror. A vision starts with you. A vision starts with me. A vision starts with us. It starts with people. It starts with people. It develops in their minds. Vision is all about becoming the kind of church and people that God desires us to be. But now when it comes to a vision, here's what I've learned. The biggest catalyst or the biggest obstacle to a vision happening starts with us. Whether that thing is going to happen or we're going to be the biggest roadblock to make sure it doesn't happen. And I believe that God wants us to have a vision for City View that will last for generations to come. And I, and I believe you want that too, especially as we serve the needs of others when it comes to our vision. A vision should always be led by the Spirit of God. It should always be led by the Spirit. It should always be people-oriented. It's not about what I get out of it. It's what God gets out of it. It's what others get out of it. A vision should always include things that are scripturally based and inspired by the Holy Spirit. A vision should cause our faith to increase, not decrease, it shouldn't cause our faith to increase by reminding us that God is limitless because he's sovereign, amen? He's sovereign, he's in control. A godly vision should always cause us to make room for others who are coming and will be coming as we grow numerically and mature in the fear and the admiration of the Lord. Here's another thing a vision does. Another thing a vision should do for us is a vision should be bigger than our abilities and it should stretch our faith. It should stretch our faith. When the Israelites were in exile in, in Persia, King Cyrus gave 50,000 of the permission to go back to Jerusalem and to, and to rebuild the temple under the leadership of Zerubbabel, the governor of, of Jerusalem. And during the time of rebuilding the temple, there was, there was these prophets, there was these men of God, Zechariah and Haggai, who were ministering to the Israelites. 
And so basically, Haggai's job was, was to spur them on to continue rebuilding the, the temple. So you had someone that was saying, keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on spurring, you, you know, going forward and, and helping rebuild this temple. And Zechariah's job was the opposite of, of, of what um, Haggai was spurring the people on. His, his role, Zechariah, was spurring them on to repent of their sins in the middle of rebuilding the temple and, and to renew their covenant with God. For once the temple was rebuilt, it would be necessary for them to have that spiritual stability to be persistent in their life with God. And throughout the time of rebuilding, the Israelites had been met with opposition after opposition to where one time it was so bad that they stopped construction. They were over it. They were done. But there was a certain saying the Lord reminded them that encouraged them to not give up. Even when they paused, eventually they were back in the game. And this is saying that helped strengthen them, even though they lacked money at times, even though they didn't have the military strength, even though people were sometimes having a difficulty rebuilding the temple. And this is it. By the power of the Spirit of God, the temple was going to be rebuilt despite the obstacles, despite the opposition the people of Israel faced. And this is what helped them to overcome the circumstances that they were dealing with. You know what it is? It's found in Zechariah 4.6. So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. It's not by your might. It's not even by your power. But it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. And that is what helped them to rebuild the temple. Because they realized in that moment that it was the Lord. Always remember that opposition and obstacles are always blueprints in God's eyes for an opportunity for his light to shine the brightest. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? That no matter the opposition, that no matter the obstacle that you're dealing with, that is a blueprint for God's eyes for an opportunity to shine, to turn a mess into a miracle, for victims to become victors by the power of the Almighty God. Why? Because what the enemy meant for evil, what the enemy meant for destruction, God is going to turn it around for good. Why? Because when it comes to a vision, God will always have the lost word more than your enemy and more than your circumstance. Amen? That's good that we have that. The key is just like for the people of Israel to rebuild the temple, we've got to listen to God. We have to listen to God and, and for direction as well as bring others to eva- evaluate how the vision is going, assessing the vision, removing any hindrances that can cause the vision to fail. What are some hindrances that can cause a vision to fail? Have you ever thought about that? Well, I'll tell you what they are. Personal agendas. Let me tell you something that can make a, an agenda fail. Complacency. Past successes. Fear, division, pride, a lack of prayer and intercession, as well as a lack of repentance and humility, or saying things like, we've never done that before, or it will fail before you even start. Those are things that will cause a vision to fail. And there's more things than just that, if you think about it, whether it's for your, your own life or for the life of a church or whatever it may be. Now, on another note, during the days of Habakkuk, Habakkuk was the prophet of God, and the people were oppressed because of the wicked leadership that they had during the four past kings. Those four past kings all rejected God. They all rejected God, and Habakkuk was perplexed as to why God wasn't doing anything. And you might be asking the same thing for your life, for your circumstance, or our nation. God, where are you with all this fear, lawlessness, persecution, and immorality happening in our culture? That's the same thing that Habakkuk was perplexed about. Where are you, God? But Habakkuk chose to trust that God is a God of justice. 
He chose to trust that faith in God helps and reminds us not only that God is sovereign, but that one day evil, think about this, one day evil will be destroyed. We need to remember that. So God gives him an answer to his question. Basically, Habakkuk's like, God, where are you in the midst of all the the hell that's happening in our world that, that, that he's living in in that moment? And so God finally says, okay. I believe the same applies to us and how the church can achieve their vision, even in the kind of godlessness that we're living in today, which is no different from the days of Habakkuk. And it's found in Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3. And this is what God said. Then the Lord answered me and said, record the vision. Inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run, for the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it. And, oh, man, we don't like to wait. We're not patient. I know I'm not. I know I struggle in that area. And it goes on and says, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. So as we, as we get ready to wrap this up in just a moment, I want to give you a couple of tools on how you can achieve a God-given vision for your life, for your marriage, for your family, for your career, where you go to school, where you live, and even in the life of this church that we're going to talk about later on. You see, number one is this. A vision develops when you write it down. When you write it down and you make it a priority. That's what happens. Writing it down reminds us of what God desires. Even when there's crime, even when there's violence, even when there's hate, even when there's sin, even when there's a pandemic, and all those things are running wild like they are in our nation. God wants us to apply what we believe, why we believe it, not only with our faith, but in the vision. In the vision. And I believe that God is calling us in this season to grow our faith, not to, not to shrink our faith, because as, as the knowledge of God is advanced in our community, we're going to see a change in our culture's moral fabric. And if you think about the fabric of our, of, our, of our culture today, it is literally hanging by a silk thread over a lake of fire. It is not looking good, friends. When people give their lives to Christ and they choose to know him and obey his rules, we will see our dreams become a reality as we trust in the Lord and we repent of our sinful desires. Another thing a vision does is it causes to stay the course. It causes you to stay the course and to accept God's timing rather than yours. And that's the biggest problem that we have is we want it now. We want things to happen here and then. You have to understand back in the days of Habakkuk, there was a lot of evil in the land. There was a lot of evil during the time that Habakkuk lived in Judah. And even Habakkuk asked God, how long is this going to last? And we see what is happening in our society today. You see people getting easily angry, frustrated, resentful, and even downright discouraged. Let me ask you, in the last two years, have you faced discouragement? Raise your hand. I hope I'm not the only one. All of us in this room have all been tested positive for discouragement. All of us. We've all dealt with that sometime or another during this time. And God told Habakkuk to do one thing. What did he tell him to do? To stay the course and to be patient. And that's something that we don't do it too well in our culture today. Why? Because God is going to do what he wants to do in his time. And God told Habakkuk to wait for it. When you trust God, even when you don't understand why things don't happen the way you want them to happen, you need to remember verses like 2 Peter 3.8. And it says that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years. Oh, pastor, why did you have to say that portion of scripture? <laughs> one day is like a thousand years? I don't got a thousand years to wait. I need an answer today. 
You need to remember, like it says in Isaiah 40, 31, that those who wait upon the Lord, that he shall renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Some of you need to write that passage of Scripture down, Isaiah 40, 31, or Romans 8, 28, that all things, everyone say all things. All things work together for those who love the Lord and are called to his purposes. You see, two things will distract you. Two things will distract a church from fulfilling its vision. And it's this. When you and I focus more on our past glories or we become prideful in our present successes, those two things will never help you to stay the course and, it'll, and, and you'll never be patient in the process. And as your pastor, each year I believe God wants us to take major steps of faith, trusting that God will do the extraordinary as we do the ordinary. And I love how the message, a paraphrased version of Scripture says in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, it says this. Just listen to it. That's plain enough, isn't it? He's talking to the church. You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You are no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name of Christian as anyone else. God is building a home, and he's using us all irrespective of how we got here in what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting us in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. And we see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. See, friends, I'm so thankful and humbled to know that God has empowered the church of Jesus Christ. We are empowered to achieve so much more through the power of the Holy Spirit as we strive to see lives changed for Jesus Christ. And at City View Church, we want to see thousands of people reached, built, and influenced by Jesus in this city, in this county, in this state, in this nation, in this world. You might say, well, pastor, there's not thousands of people here. But through our mission giving, through other things that we do for the kingdom of God, there is going to be people up in heaven that are going to literally come up to you and say, thank you for sharing the gospel with me. And you might look at them and say, I don't even know who you are. Well, let me tell you how. You gave to that outreach. And that outreach I came to, and God transformed my life in that process. There's so many things that God does behind the scenes. And we're excited to build a church of of the living God that's committed to his word, where everyone experiences his love because every person counts. This morning we had our growth track, and I was asking people, how long have you been coming to the church, and and what brought you to the church, and things like this is what I always hear in these growth track meetings. Man, this church is so friendly. It's so welcoming. My kids love the children and youth program. I love that the word of God is, compromise, is not compromised in this church. I love the worship and the spirit of God that's in this place. I wish you could be a fly on the wall and hear what people have to say about City View Church. They love this church. They're thankful for this church. They know why they're here and why God's brought them here. Amen. Let's give them praise. Yeah. This isn't a little farmer's insurance golf clap. This is the spirit of living God. How many of you received one of these pieces of papers this morning? I hope everyone did. And ushers, if someone needs one, just raise your hand and we'll get you one. But I I want teenagers, everyone in this room that can write and read needs to get one of these. Or someone else can read or write for you or whatever it may be. Real quickly, there's our mission and our vision for 2022. And here's the thing, friends. We are each a piece in the City View puzzle. Did you know that? Have you ever put together a puzzle? Maybe it's a thousand pieces and you were missing three and you couldn't finish it? 
How frustrating was that, was that for you? You probably even had to go buy the other box because you're like, you can't find the other four pieces. But all of us, when we finish that piece, when we finish that puzzle, and we look at it and we're like, wow, look what God done. I want you to understand that in 2022, we are each a piece in the city view puzzle. And as we reach, this year we want to reach people with God's love. Here's what I want you to do, friends. Be thinking of two people, just two, or maybe two families, that you want to witness to or invite to church or church event or service in 2022. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to write their names down, and I want you to commit to praying for them. Say, Lord, my neighbor, write that family's down. Maybe there's someone you even brought to church. They loved it, and they haven't been back since. Have you asked them to come back? Have you invited them to come? Have you, have you asked them, like, hey, do you need a ride or whatever it may be? But think about this just for a second. I don't know how many people are in this room, but if all of us times two did this, it's over. But even if we only got half of that, that's an, that's an increase that's never happened before. But it starts with you. It starts with me. Build. This year we want to build people through God's word and develop community with one another. We do this through offering a variety of small groups and connect classes for people of all ages designed for making growing followers of Jesus Christ. But here's the piece of the puzzle. What step or steps are you going to do to take a help? To, uh, what, are you going to, what are you going to take to help accomplish this? And here's some examples I put down. Write down your thoughts. It could be attend a Sunday or midweek class. It could be opening up your home for a small group. It could be leading a small group. It could be helping teach or become an assistant teacher for a, a class. Or I don't know what else it may be. But there's something that God wants to do in you and influence. This year, we want to use our influence to expand God's kingdom by serving in an area of ministry in the church. Write down what you'd like to get involved in. Maybe you're like, you know what? I want to be a greeter. Or you know what? I want to just roam the aisles of these pews and just introduce myself to people and welcome them to the church. Or you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take it a step further. These people that we just met, we, we met them, and next week we're going to take them to lunch. And we're going to get to know them. I don't know what it may be, but you are the piece in the city of you puzzle. And you will need to write it down. Maybe you want to help in a ministry department. Maybe you want to usher or be a greeter. Maybe you want to help at the kiosk where the kids and their parents sign in. Maybe you want to help in communications. Maybe you want to help on the worship team. Maybe you play the spoons or the jug. I don't know what you play. But you want to use it for the glory and the honor of God. And on the back side is our vision. We want to modernize the worship center by building and updating the sanctuary carpet and seating. This carpet is probably 30 years old. Maybe even older. I don't know. Maybe 25 years we want to complete the improvements of the lobby and the bathrooms and add a prominent cross to the worship center. The person that said he wants to buy, give us a cross, I, I, I had lunch with him recently in, about six months ago, and he said, you know, Pastor, I never remember what I told you, but this pandemic has messed up my business. I said, it's okay. He says, I still want to do it. I said, it's all right. We're going to trust God for that. We want to develop our influence by creating an online church campus continue to grow our multicultural, multi-generational churches through various outreaches to our community. We want to expand our vision to reach out to our military families. You might say, but pastor, they're only going to be with us for three years. Well, that's how long Jesus was on this earth. But he changed the world. And we can't look at our military people and say, well, but pastor, they're not going to help grow the church. Oh, yes, they're going to grow the church. Because we are not confined by the walls of this church. We're not. Come on, somebody. We're talking about thousands. And they're going to leave this place and be ambassadors of what God has ingrained in their spirit for the time that they've been here. So we've got to reach our military. 
God has given us Lincoln Housing down the street. He's provided treasure bags that, that, that people are coming. 150 families are coming. And, and this is an opportunity for us to be salt and light, to be Jesus with skin onto these people. Maybe you can only do it once a year, but do something. You are the piece to the city view puzzle. And to strengthen in our missions endeavors through meeting our monthly pledges. Do you know that on, on average a month, this church supports over 80 plus missionaries and we're supposed to be sending $8,475 of support through our faith promises and so forth. We want to schedule a missions trip. We haven't done a missions trip in this church in a long time. We want to add five missionaries to our City View missionary family. And I acknowledge that, I, that here's the thing, that I want to share Christ's compassion and I want to expand City View's influence in our world in 2022. You're not turning this in. This is yours. This is your tablet. This is your piece to the puzzle to believe God to do something supernatural as we do the natural. And whatever you wrote down or write, write down, just initial and dated. Our vision is to grow the church, its ministries, and expand our influence in San Diego County through compassion for God's kingdom to thrive through our missions endeavors and to modernize our aging campus. That's what we're trusting God to do. Why? Because we're all a piece to the City View puzzle. And your, might, your piece might be a little smaller, some might be a little bigger, but we all have a piece to the puzzle. Let me pray for you. Every head is bowed and eyes are closed. What is God challenging you to do when it comes to the vision? What is He challenging you to do? Perhaps He wants you to get more involved by giving of your time as you get involved by using your talents or your touch or, or your testimony to reach others. Or maybe God is challenging you to give financially toward the, the dreams God desires to do through City View Church or, or the Word of God speaks through this church and the ministries that it has. And, and this month, the Holy Spirit wants to remind you that you are the church. That the church is not confined by the walls within, but that we are his hands and his feet. Maybe God wants to give you direction this year. I believe that some of you need clarity or direction from him regarding what he wants you to do and through you. Some of you are in that boat. And, and if you are, I want to pray for you this morning as, as we worship the Lord in just a moment. Maybe one of you is weary and is having a hard time staying the course as you wait on the Lord for, for loved ones to, to come to Christ or situations where you work. Or, or maybe you need God to turn that negative circumstance into a praise report. Or you just need God to give you the strength to persevere or, and remain committed to what he's called you to do or is wanting you to do. And if that's you, I want to pray for you. Or maybe you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I don't even know Jesus. Or I've walked away from my faith because I've been hurting. Today I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. I want to give it to Him for the first time. You might say, Pastor Troy, you do that every single week. Why? Because D.L. Moody was preaching the gospel in Chicago in the early 1900s or whenever they had that huge great fire. And he told the people that day at the end of his message, I want you to think about what I said. And next week, come back and tell me what you decide to do with this salvation message. And what happened that night is the great fire happened and all those people that he had an opportunity to bring to the Lord, they got killed in that fire. And from that point on, D.L. Moody, one of the greatest preachers, evangelists in the world, said that he will not let a day go by when he presents the gospel that he, will, that he preaches, that he won't give an invitation for salvation. And that's why we exist, to leave the 99 to save the one. And maybe you're that one this morning. Jesus wants to touch you. He wants to minister to you. He wants to heal you. He wants to give you a vision to see he wants to give you the faith to believe and he wants to give you the courage to do as you and literally give your life back to him. So maybe that's you. I want to pray for all of y'all. 
And if you're able to, would you stand with me in this holy moment as we respond in worship to what we've heard from the word of the Lord today? Father, I pray for that individual who's saying, yes, pastor, I need to give my life to Jesus Christ, or I need to rededicate my life to you, you, Father. And, and if that's you, just say where you're at. Just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner, but I believe you died on that cross. You rose from the grave, and I confess you as my Lord and Savior. And friend, whether you said that prayer of rededication or you said that prayer for the first time, there is a party going on in heaven. Prayers that have been prayed for years have come to an answer because of the decision that you've made in making Jesus Christ your Lord. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that have been challenged by you, that have been comforted by you, that have been convicted by your spirit, Lord God, that we are all a piece to the city of you puzzle. And all of us, Lord God, can do something for your kingdom when it comes to reaching, when it comes to building, and when it comes to influencing. Just like Haggai was, was doing something in terms of the administration part, Zechariah was doing something on the spiritual part. We all have something that we can do to advance your kingdom for such a time as this. Because, Lord, we've said it. We're living in the last days. We're living in the last days. Well, if we're living in the last days, we need to start acting like it is. We need to start growing in our faith. We need to start sharing. We need to start doing something for such a time as this, Lord. So, Father, do what only you can do right now. Encourage, empower, strengthen. Give them that I'm not going to give up attitude. Give them fresh dreams. Give them fresh vision for their life or for their children, Lord God. May they not be weary and well-doing. And even if they paused on their construction, even if they walked away from their job, Lord, Lord, they're going back. They're going back to rebuild what you want to do in their hearts and in their lives, where they work, where they live, whatever it may be. So, Father, give your church that vision to see. Give us the faith to believe the impossible. And give us the courage and the strength and the stamina to do what you've called us to do for such a time as this. Lord, we're going to take risk. We're going to trust you. We're going to be wise, but this is your church. Have your way in.